I have a redemption problem. Maybe you do too. So many times I, I don't even really think about how much it costs. I don't really worry too much. I overlook it. I, I waste it. I have a redemption problem, you see. See, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. What's the big deal, after all? I mean, it really doesn't cost that much, does it? To me, it's kind of even a little bit silly. <laughs> of course, there's people in my family that think I'm crazy, thinking as I do. But I have to tell you, I didn't grow up in Michigan, so I don't really get this whole thing. Like, when you buy pop, that when you buy this stuff, that for 10 cents, you can take a can back. I mean, come on. I mean, I guess it adds up over time. That's what people tell me, that it, it can get kind of a, a great return on, on the investment and, and the redemption value is worth it. But you know what? Come on. To me, it's kind of a nuisance. Everywhere else I ever lived, you just put it in the recycling bin and life goes on as you know it. But not here. Here, it adds up. But I think I can afford it. We don't drink much pop at our house anyway. But maybe you do it yours. Or else, maybe you have a redemption problem too. That you overlook it, you don't think about its value, you don't really, you maybe underestimate how much it really costs. If so, you're kind of like me. And you're kind of like others who've gone before us, who have redemption problems. You know, David is, is one of them. We've been learning a lot about him these, these weeks of Lent and walking through his repentant prayer before the Lord. We, we find tonight in these verses his redemption problem. He turns to God, and let, let's read these words together from verses 14 and 15. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. See, David's been pouring out his heart before the Lord, and as we dwell on these words tonight, deliver me, some translations say, redeem me from blood guilt or bloodshed, and, and the question comes, well, what's that all about? What, what kind of blood is, is David talking about? And as we've learned his story, this one labeled the man after God's own heart, unlike anyone else in all the scripture, beyond the adultery, and beyond the, the lies that, and the web that, that David had tried to explain away his actions comes one of those serious moments as well to add to the list of actually putting Uriah, the husband of the woman he slept with, finding a way to put him down, to put him to death, to kill him. And I'm sure for David, he's thinking, I've got this covered. See, this is going to be a perfect plan. All i got to do is put him on the front line of battle, and therefore, it's really not me doing the killing. He, he will be, just be a victim of war. And I'm sure in David's mind, that made a lot of sense. It's amazing how deception runs rampant in our minds when we're caught up in that tunnel vision of sin. And so it was with David. And yet the blood of Uriah was really on his hands. It was on his heart and on his life. He was behind it all. And it all comes crashing down. And David pours out his heart. He realizes he is guilty. It is because of him he is worthy of death row. You know how the Old Testament goes. It's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. 
life for life? David knows there's only one payment, and that's death that he's worthy of. He's taken life. How about you? Where are you tonight? You come into the presence of Almighty God, and, and what, what is it that you've done that you bring before him tonight? You say, well, at least I'm not that bad. That's what's easy to do. Like, at least I'm not like that person. And like, are you kidding me? That person came to church? Or I can't believe that person at work. They, at least I'm not like that guy. And, and the list goes on of how we justify and think, well, at least I'm not like that. And, and, and we start to rank ourselves. And we start to think, at least if I'm above average, then I'm okay. And then Jesus has to come along and, and say things like this in the Sermon on the Mount and in the Gospels where he says, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But, but I tell you, if you even think lustful thoughts in your mind, you are guilty of adultery. Like, ah. Oh. Or, or how about this one? You've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, if you even think judgment or, or wrathful thoughts in your mind against your brother, you are guilty of murder. Suddenly we find ourselves in the company of murderers. The thoughts we've had, maybe about people at work, maybe it's people in the neighborhood, maybe it's people in our own family, maybe even our own spouse. Those angry thoughts who have committed murder in our minds, in our intentions, in our thoughts. And our God says there's blood on our hands tonight. We come into the presence of God and we are guilty and we are on death row if left to ourselves. See, we got a redemption problem. We need somebody, something, some way to find a way to be redeemed where we stand in his presence. So what do we do about that? You know, for David, he calls out to God. A God who would deliver, a God who would understand the guilt of bloodshed. Oh God, you are God. And notice that word, my Savior. One who would come and bring rescue. You know how that goes, don't you? He would come. He would be the answer. Uh, the son of David who would come several generations later and be born of the house of David. And he would come to redeem the world. And how would he do it? He'd do it in the unexpected way and yet the necessary way. Because blood would need to be shed to pay for the blood that had been poured out. He would lay down his life. He would shed his blood. He would die a death on a cross. And why would he do such a thing? To pay the penalty, to pay the price, to set us free, a redemption value that goes beyond just a few cents because it wells up into eternity with the love and the redemption value he brings to you and me. The question comes, you know, how, how valuable is that? It's easy to overlook that. It's easy to just kind of take it for granted. And our God reminds us it costs him everything. He was willing to pay it because he loved you that much. But how, how big is that? How expensive is it? How far does it cover? You know, back in the 90s, some of you remember the 90s well. Oh, that was a day. That was, that was an amazing decade. But one of the stories that came out in those days that wasn't so pretty was a story of a man by the name of Jeffrey was his first name. Last name, Dahmer. 
He lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was caught with blood on his hands. He, he was convicted as a, a serial murderer. Uh, he would entice young men and, and do unthinkable acts before he would kill them. He would actually store their body parts in his freezer. I mean, the man was messed up. I mean, what does it take for a mind to go there? And in many people's mind, when he was convicted and, and said, okay, may he be put to death. Well, there was no death penalty in, in Wisconsin. And, and so he was sentenced to 16 consecutive life sentences in prison. And while he was in prison, he was convicted of a 17th murder out of state in Ohio that they found him guilty of as well. Uh, he was going to rot away in prison. And many people said, may he rot away that evil thing. And then one day it happened. While he was cleaning out a locker room, another inmate came up behind him and beat him to death with a crowbar. And many people said, now he really got what he deserved. And then the story came out. A story that was told by a pastor who had been visiting Jeffrey Dahmer on a regular basis. And it was a story that many people were skeptical about, many people were really troubled by, and, and, and it really bugged them, even people within the church, and maybe especially people in the church. The story was that as his pastor made visits to Jeffrey, that Jeffrey started to break down and started to confess that he realized no longer was he numb to the ways of the Lord, but that rather God was melting his heart with an deep sense of guilt and shame for what he had done. Many people were skeptical about that. But within that confession and within that repentant heart was a man who longed for love and a man who loved, longed for forgiveness. And in the midst of it was a God who was willing to grant it. Jeffrey Dahmer was baptized in prison shortly before he was killed. And in the minds of many who knew the story and knew it well, and those who were eyewitnesses of what happened in his life, there is no doubt of where Jeffrey Dahmer is today. Oh, you might be already thinking like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Well, be careful. Lest we underestimate the redemption value that also rescues us. And a Savior who takes sin and sees it in a similar way, no matter how grotesque or ugly. A God who says, you know, one strike is, is worthy of death in His Word. And a God who is holy and just in every way. We are all on standing, same standing with Jeffrey Dahmer's and the other Davids of this world. But that's actually a good place to be today. Because of what our God has done. He's rescued us. He's redeemed us. He set us free. You are loved. You are forgiven. And may our God open our lips with praise tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the redemption value that you come to bring. So often we underestimate it. So often we take it for granted. And so often we fail to see the depth of our need for it. Lord, we pray in these days that you'd open our eyes and hearts to see the depth of your love, to celebrate that great redeeming work that you've come to bring on a cross. Thank you for that, Jesus. 
And may our, our, our lips give forth praise to you, a God who loves us in such a way. We pray it in Jesus' name.